It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. If you will, flip over to 1 Peter chapter 5 real quick. Then we'll look at a couple of other scriptures here this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5, we'll start there. Thank God for the Word. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Hallelujah. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now look at the first two words of verse 9. It says, Whom resist. Everybody say, whom? Resist. Now notice that scripture again. Let me read it again. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil. Now this identifies two things. Number one, that you have an adversary and who the adversary is. Amen. You know, it's a shame that the church as a whole, now of course not us in the, in the uh, flavor of Christianity that we adhere to and that we practice and live by. But uh, the, the Christianity as a whole don't even believe there's a devil. They believe there's good and, and there's evil. And, and, but, you know, as far as there being an, an entity, an actual being called the devil, well, you know, you never. But there is. Let me tell you, there is. Now, the Bible instructs us, first of all, to be sober. So you can't be under the influence of any kind of a religious idea. Say, well, you know, God is good and devil bad. And, and uh, you know, the, you just put a name on good and bad is what you've done. No, there is a God. He is real. He's in heaven. His son is seated at his right hand. There is a God. Are we in church this morning? He is real. He's called the Holy Ghost. He's in you. He's on you. And it's real. And there is a devil. And there are demon forces. And you must know that so that you can resist them. You can't resist or fight anything you don't know about. You know, uh, 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 people say that, you know, if you don't know, it's, it's, it's better to, not to know something. I forget how the phrase goes. But it's better to have knowledge. And it's better to have knowledge that comes from the Word of God of your adversary. You know, the, the problem with, with, with information about God is this. Too many people... Their information about God is only based on their experience with Him. Now let me say that again. Their information about God is only based on their experience with Him. I don't care what you've experienced or haven't experienced. God's the God of the Word. Some of you may have experienced a whole lot. Some of you may have experienced nothing. But God is the God of His Word no matter what we've experienced. Secondly, we must allow the Word of God to paint the correct picture of our adversary. Amen. I mean, the world, I mean, you take entertainment, for instance. They got all these movies out there about devils and demons and all this kind of stuff and how, how they could just take over the world and do all this kind of That's not true. And the problem is the church has chimed in on that and let Hollywood become their revelation. But I've got good news. There's information in the Word of God that shows us who the devil is, how to resist him, how to actively oppose him. And actually, if you study the Word of God, you'll see what his end is. He's living towards an end. We're not. We're living forever. 
There's an end to his life one day. He'll be bound, he'll be cast into the lake of fire, and he'll be there forever. Everybody say good news. Now, notice, go if you will, to the book of John, the gospel of John. The gospel of John chapter 8. And they're, they're having a religious discussion with Jesus, which, you know, that's very dangerous. Because Jesus pretty much knows how to put religious people in their place. Amen. And, uh, you know, verse 8 says, If you continue in my word, uh, then you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth. Everybody say the truth. And the truth will set you free. Then they begin to respond and answered, We are Abraham's seed. We're never in bondage to any man. And how sayest you, uh, you know, we should be made free? Which that, you know, that statement right there was kind of erroneous because they were in bondage to the Roman government. Amen. They didn't have their own government anymore. They were in bondage to the Roman government. Uh, they said, uh, 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 Jesus, respond, excuse me, Jesus responded and said, uh, Verily, verily. Let me say something about those two words, verily, verily. You know, the translators of the King James Version of the Bible, uh, which drew their information. Now, we're talking about the New Testament. So there was, there was, there was Aramaic, Aramaic writing that was translated into Greek. Then out of Greek, we have our English version. Now, now the, the, the true verily, verily, when it goes back to actually how that term was used back in the ancient days of the Middle East, has anybody ever been to court and been a witness in court? And you had to put your hand on the Bible and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. There's your verily, verily. That's it right there. It's Jesus saying, I'm telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I've seen with my father, and you do that which you've seen of your father. Everybody say, my father, your father. So Jesus is speaking of two fathers. How many would agree with that? Now notice what he says. Then answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Everybody say, your father. Now notice this. You do you did the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, We be born not of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Jesus, tell us what you're thinking. <laughs> Pretty plain. Now, he is in an interaction with Pharisees and Sadducees that are under the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Jesus is giving them a spiritual reality that there are two fathers in which there are reality. There is the father of your first birth. Then there is the father of the new birth, which Jesus is. The father of your first birth, well, you could say, well, my natural father, he was a good man, and my grandfather was. He's not talking about that. He's, caught, talk, he's going all the way back to your point of origin. Amen. 
in which God created the man and the woman, but the man and the woman in the garden fell. And when they fell, they gave their dominion, their authority, and all that God created them to be. They gave it over to an entity called the devil. Now notice this. When he said, you are of your father the devil. Could you imagine what those guys thought? That'd be like us, you know, going down to a, to a football stadium or someplace where they're having a sports event, taking the microphone and getting up and saying, now all of you, you know I'm talking about being on Sunday, all of you that are not in church, you're of the devil. It doesn't go over too big when you tell people they're of the devil. But the problem is if you're not born again, if you're not of your father God, if you're not born again, your father is Diablo. Let me know what I'm talking about. He said, well, my father was a good man. He's not talking about your earthly father. He's talking about a spiritual reality and a spiritual truth. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Now, notice what he says. You're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Now remember what the gospel is. It's good news. Everybody say good news. So Satan is a what? He's a liar. I said he's a liar. Not only is he a liar, he's a father of lies. So if he speaks to you, oh, somebody should have got excited in here. Because some of you, the devil's been talking to you and talking to you and talking to you and trying to get you to believe a lie. But it is a lie. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not sick trying to get healed. You're the healed of God using the word of God to fight off sickness and disease and symptoms of injury and hurt. You're not poor trying to get rich. You're the rich of God using tithing and offering to appropriate that which belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Satan is a liar. I said Satan is a liar. You have to learn to quit listening to him. Amen. Now, the problem that we have in the body of Christ is that people just don't teach on the devil. They don't preach. They don't give information or revelation on the devil. Now, you have to have it in order to walk as an overcomer that Christ has called you to be. Or else you're going to be subject to all the lies he tells. And I'm telling you, he's a master liar. He's not a liar. He's the liar and the father of them. Amen. The truth is not in him. Now, that, that's a good point. You say, what do you mean by it? The truth is not in him, so any time he speaks to you, he's speaking a lie. The devil come to you and say, you're not going to make it. You ought to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What would you say, Mr. Devil? I'm not going to make it? Say that again. I'm not going to make it? Well, hold on right there. While you're telling me I'm not going to make it, I'm going to step over here and rejoice for a moment. Because I get my information from the Word of God. And the Bible says you're a liar and the father of lies. So you're telling me I'm not going to make it? So just the opposite is true. What's the opposite of lie? Truth. That means I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Thank you for encouraging me today, Mr. Devil. See, Peter, if you don't learn to respond like that, then you're going to go, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. You'll start believing the lie. Believing a lie produces fear. It'll produce fear in your heart. It'll produce fear in your life. But you've got to make a decision to respond to the devil according to the Word of God. Now, go to, since you're there in John, go to John chapter 10. 
should be just a couple of pages over. Years ago, uh, Pastor Lee and I were in a uh, we, we we were in a couple of camp meetings with with uh, Dr. Oral Roberts. Uh, we we were able uh, uh, we were ministering in those camp meetings too. So we got to not only listen to him, sit under his ministry, but we got to fellowship with him. Got to got to meet him. Got to know him a little bit. Now he told me privately something very interesting. He said, "You know, when I had my healing tent." You know, he had a huge tent that sat almost 20,000 people. He went all over the United States conducting healing revivals. Many of them went six and seven weeks. and Thousands of people were healed. Great miracles took place. He said, you know, there was a lot of opposition to that. He said, I built Oral Roberts University. He, uh, he said, people thought no man could build a, you know, a university, that no preacher should build a university. He said, I just persevered, and by faith, we built this wonderful uh, Christian teaching university. He said, but of all the opposition that I've ever had from my healing ministry uh, to building the Oral Roberts University, he said, the greatest amount of opposition I ever had came from preachers. And he said, it came over or it came because of one statement that I made back in the early 50s. He said, I made this statement, God is good. God is a good God. God has a miracle for you. He said, for that statement, I got more opposition than anything else I'd ever done. And he said, not only that, the majority of my opposition came from preachers. Please, Dr. Roberts, don't get up and tell everybody that God is a good God. Don't get up and tell everybody that God loves them and God cares about them. Because surely God is the one putting us through all this trouble. But listen, I don't care what your problem is today. You may have a small problem, a medium-sized problem, or a great big large problem. But I don't care what your problem is. God is not your problem. God is your answer. Now, we know that by the Word. Everybody say, by the Word. Now, notice John chapter 10. Now, Dr. Roberts preached a message entitled, The Dividing Line of Christianity. And he used this scripture as a reference point for preaching that. Now, notice what it says in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, uh, let me find it here. It says, the thief cometh not, but for to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then Jesus says, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Everybody say more abundantly. But now notice this first part. The thief. Everybody say the thief. Now right here we begin to get revelation on our adversary, the devil, who we're supposed to do what? Say it again. Say it again. Resist. Everybody say resist. That word means actively oppose. So here it is. Number one, he's a thief. Now we see, we see the word thief and we think, okay, he's a thief. He's, he's going to steal. But what is a thief? Does anybody know? The thief is a criminal. So give, this gives us insight into the nature of our adversary. He has a criminal nature. Now, let me try that again. He has a criminal nature. Now, now, first of all, let's get over here on the redemptive side. God doesn't see you sick. God doesn't see you broke. You say, well, Pastor, I'm so sick, I don't know what to do. God doesn't see you that way because he's already provided an answer for your sickness and disease, which are the stripes that were laid upon the backs of the Lord Jesus Christ, upon the back of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? So God sees you as being well, being attacked by a lie. So, so listen. Satan has no right to make you sick. His right to make you sick was canceled 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ defeated him upon the cross. Oh, somebody ought to get excited. 
He lost his right to make you sick 2,000 years ago when the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ was given as a sacrifice for your healing. He lost his right. You say, then why am I sick? Because he's, he, listen, he is a criminal. He is a criminal spirit. And you must understand, he does what a criminal does, that which is illegal. It's not legal for you to be sick. It's not legal for you to be poor. It's not legal for you to be depressed. It's not legal for you to be addicted or afflicted. It is illegal. You say, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to call 911. No, get into the Word of God. You say, what do you mean by that? You are the one that needs to enforce the law of the spirit of life in Christ against the law of sin and death. If you don't do that, then the enemy is going to overcome you. You know, if you were an easy mark for criminals, I mean, if the word went around on Galveston, I'd say, you know, uh, you know, old Bob Jones over there, he never locks his door. Uh, he comes home at night and takes his billfold and all his money out and just throws it on the porch. He doesn't even bring it in the house. His car is always unlocked. His garage is always unlocked. You need anything, just go over there and steal it. Well, Bob Jones, it, it, it'd behoove him to do something about his security. Come on. Put a lock on your door. Put a lock on your window. Get your security system. Arm yourself with the armor of God. God has given us a spiritual security system to thwart the criminal activity of our adversary, the devil. Now notice what? Uh, uh, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, everybody say steal, to kill, everybody say kill, and to destroy. But now notice this, verse 10 again, the thief cometh. That means he's active. He's active. Now the problem is this. The enemy is so subtle in his activity against believers that many times he fools believers into cooperating with, them, with him. Amen. You know, there's all kinds of, they, you know, today, Lee and I belong to a, 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 a what's it called we belong to? The LifeLock. You ever heard of LifeLock? Now, we, I tell you, we, we had a couple of things happen with our finances where, you know, some things showed up on our credit card. Some things showed up, and we were like, what is all this going on? And so I, we began to do some research, and it cost us, well, I don't know, three or $400 a year. But we joined LifeLock. Now, LifeLock is a security system that watches out over what I can't watch out over. Because I can watch out over my house. I can get alert alarms to come put in a security system. I, I can put in better locks and, and lock my windows, put screens on. I can do all that kind of stuff, put a fence up, put a gate on the fence. I can do all that. But then there's realms. I, I'm, I'm very vulnerable in certain realms. So I got someone else to provide for me a security system. Well, I got good news for every believer in here today. There is someone who has supplied a security system for you. But it must be activated because your adversary, the devil, the thief, cometh. And the worst kind of scams are these scams that people run that you don't think you're getting scammed. You think you're going to make some kind of money. And they prey on the vulnerable and the weak and the, many times the elderly and, and those that don't have a lot of uh, insight into how these things operate. And they'll go in and wipe, it, wipe out your bank account unless you got some security. You know, every once in a while, you know, every, what, about every three or four months, we'll get a deal on our phone, and this icon will come up, and it'll say LifeLock, and it'll say call us. Because they have detected something. Now listen to me. They have detected something we have not detected. So they give us information on, listen, God has put the Holy Ghost in you. 
He is your comforter. He is your helper. He is your strengthener. He is your guide. He is your intercessor. He is your go-between. He is your all in all. And he is the one that can help set up the security system in you because the, the thief is constantly coming. I mean, like notice when he comes. I mean, he can come in all sorts of forms. And when you begin to realize that and recognize that, you say, man, I need a little protection, a little security. It says, the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, that is the ministry of the devil. In your life, if you think back at things that have been stolen, to kill, to kill, that word means to separate. What have you been separated from that was dear to you? What have you been separated from that you worked hard for? What have you been separated from that the thief came in and just took and separated you from that? Well, I tell you, God wants to bless you and restore it. Amen? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Think of the destruction that's been on this planet since the fall of man. The wars, the rumors of wars, the famine, the disease, how Satan has just run roughshod over all of the earth and destroyed and harmed and hurt and stolen and killed. But I got good news. We have the answer to that. But we must exercise it. Now, in studying these scriptures, we must understand there's a nature to the adversary that if we don't understand that, then we're vulnerable to him. That's why we're studying these things. So we see, first of all, he's a thief. Everybody say he's a thief. Criminal spirit. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. The Bible says, we saw it over in 1 Peter chapter 5, he goes about as a roaring lion. Did you get that? He goes about as, not is. And he's what? Seeking whom he may devour. Everybody say, not me. Say, not me. Say, he cannot devour me. So he is active. He's out there. And when I say that, I'm not talking about an individual entity called the devil. Satan is not omnipresent like God is. God can be everywhere all the time. Satan cannot be. He can only be in one place at one time. But he has demon forces. He's got little devils. He's got medium-sized devils. He's got ugly devils. He's got all kinds of devils. And he wants to use those devils to mess up your life. They come and do the same thing he does. They minister his nature, which is to steal, kill, and destroy. And the Bible says he goes around as a roaring lion. That means he's an imitation. He's a fake. He's a phony. You say, you mean he's not real? I didn't say that. He is real, but the only power Satan has over your life is the power you choose to give him. And the number one power we give the devil is the lack of information. God himself said, my people are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. That's why you've come to your security briefing this morning. Amen. Now, with that in mind, go, if you will, to Isaiah. How's our time? Oh, we're doing good. We may be able to get through this this morning. Go to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. Let's begin to study this scamp a little bit. And let me say something. I had somebody talk to me one time. They really didn't challenge me. They were just curious. I was in a meeting in an area in which there was a lot of witchcraft. Actually, right by the city I was in. There was, it was in Europe. There was a city in Europe in which there were more witch covens in that city per capita than any other place in Europe. So this was the, the witch and warlock, what would you call it, capital. They had to build a special uh, guard on the bridge that goes over the river there because that's where everybody from Europe came to commit suicide. Pretty good sign of the demonic when people are committing suicide. 
So this person, after some, some of this teaching, they came up and said, they said, well, what about all these, quote, witches and warlocks and Satanists and people? Do they have power? I said, I said they're the worst deceived. I said, they're the worst deceived. You say, do they know anything about the spirit realm? I said, yes, they do. They operate with familiar spirits, but they also operate with spirits of destruction and confusion. And, all, and I said, if you ever really watch one of them and watch them over a period of years, you'll see great destruction come into their life. I mean, I remember years ago, uh, back in the early 80s when I went into ministry, many of the cities and towns, especially down, I don't know why it was so unique here in South Texas, but I, I did a lot of ministry in between here and Corpus Christi. And just about every town, including Galveston, you'd go through, there was this, you don't see them anymore, there was a palm reader or an Indian reader. And they always had a cross or had something. But that was all demonic. All of that was demonic. Listen, the power that the, quote, Satanists have, and people get, they get all stirred up about, you know, the, uh, the, these different societies and secret societies, and they put all this kind of thing out in Hollywood. Let me just say something. That's a big joke. You say, why is that a big joke? I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I'm saying that it is a joke that it does exist because their master has no power. What makes you think they have any power? They said, well, I, I saw a movie where they, they were all rich and had all this money and can do all that. Sure, that's the world's system. But I guarantee you, the name of Jesus, every one of them has to bow. So, well, I, I think a witch put a curse on me. Get it off. He said, how do I do it? Say, in the name of Jesus, I break the curse. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Jesus being made a curse for me. Don't ever let anybody intimidate you like that. Because I actually had somebody come to us in a crusade. We were preaching in Honduras and said that a, a, a witch doctor uh, put a curse on us. I just started laughing. I started laughing. I said, there ain't no witch doctor on this planet can put a curse that can stop the power that's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I noticed, did you find Isaiah 14? Let's look a little bit at the nature of Satan. Verse, uh, verse 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven O Lucifer, son of the morning. Well, there's Revelation right there. Notice what it said. He's what? We can just close the Bible and go home shouting now. (laughs) Our adversary has fallen. Let me help you. This this may really get you excited. Our Savior is risen. Let me try that again. Our Savior is risen. Our adversary is fallen. Our Savior is risen. Our adversary is fallen. How art thou fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Now, now I tell you, one of the most demonic manifestations of Satan, I guess in our generation or our lifetime well you know that, that generation is kind of passing away but I guess I guess we would call it uh, World War II the third Reich under Adolf Hitler was demonic almost openly demonic notice notice the parallels he tried to make with himself and the Messiah I'm going to set up a thousand year Reich didn't do it did he you know why he was not successful you know, thank God for the armies and the, of the allies and all of the sacrifice that was made. But there was prayer and intercession that brought that down. 
There's a great book out there called Reese House, Intercessors. I've read it like three times. And it's a powerful testimony to how there were, there were, there were men that prayed and interceded that even the president of the United States, Winston Churchill and others would go to and say pray and intercede and pray and intercede. And Hitler did some of the stupidest things. Thank God he did. And Japan did some of the dumbest things. Thank God. That, you know why that did? It was like that. Intercession and prayer brought all that to end. Because World War II was an attempt of the devil to stop the revival that was coming. The healing revival. The word of faith and charismatic move. And all that God's doing in the earth today. Satan was trying to stop it just like he's trying to stop it today. But he's fallen. I said he's fallen. Now notice this. Notice this. And everyone who has ever followed him fell also. Choose who you're going to serve. Cut down, which did re, uh, 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 would, would did its weakest the nations. For thou hast said in thy heart. Now let me go through this. This is interesting. Thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like unto the most high. Did you get that? Now, what is that? Now, listen to it. I, 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 I. Anybody know what that is? That's called selfishness. Everybody say selfishness. So I thought that you got to look out for number one. No, 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 no. You look out for Jesus. He looks out for you. He is your chief shepherd. He is your good shepherd. He is your great shepherd. And he will watch over you in every area of life. But when you start getting a bunch of eyes in your life, What did Jesus say? You're of your father, the devil. Because that's the way he... Now notice everything he said it was going to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to exalt my throne. I'm going to sit upon the mount, of the, uh, the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north. I will extend to the heights of the clouds. Now notice what he said. I will be like, I will be like, I will be like the most high. There's only one like the most high. He was trying to get the position that the Word of God held in heaven. That's why Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That means when, G when Satan brought this, when Lucifer brought this insurrection into heaven, Jesus threw him out of heaven so fast that it looked like lightning hitting the ground. Mm -mm -mm. Now notice verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. The sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake the kingdoms and did shake him? Now, notice that phrase again. They that see thee, now notice the terminology, shall narrowly look upon thee. Everybody say that with me. Narrowly look upon thee. Now, the Hebrew, now we're in the Old Testament here, so it's going to be a Hebrew translation. The Hebrew translation of that phrase is this, to encompass about with a hedge of thorns. You say, now how is that relevant to talking about Lucifer or the devil? God wants you to understand that there's revelation in the Word of God that encompasses Satan with a hedge of thorns that he cannot get out of. Scripture like, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the earth. Scripture like, for this reason the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Scripture's like, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the earth. That keeps the devil 
in his place. You don't want to let him out of his place in your life. He'll destroy you. He'll come in to kill, steal, and destroy. But I like to keep him within the box that God built for him, hedged about with thorns. So he can't get out of that box. Oh, I ought to get a better amen than that. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon. And then this is what they're saying. When you see the devil for who he really is, here's going to be your reaction. You mean this is the one? That's been causing me all the problems. You know, I hate bullying. I grew up around bullies in school. But now they talk about internet bullying. And I really don't understand how somebody could send you a text and be bullied by it. Especially if you've never met them or sent them. Or seen them. Amen. They say, yeah, they're bullying me. Are they sending me? They're telling me going to beat me. I'd like to see the guy first. Amen. You know, bullies are all, bullies many times are just full of hot air. I, I, I like, did y'all, any of y'all that follow uh, uh, Dustin Martin, we, he's one of our favorites around here, and got his newsletter this month. He gave a great illustration, uh, a healing illustra uh, illustration about being healed of a vicious dog on a chain. And how this dog on a chain, you know, as long as you're in the peripheral of that chain, that dog chew you up. But you, if you get outside of it, all he can do is bark. And no matter how vicious he looks, and no matter how big he is, uh, the bark of a dog never hurt anybody. I thought that's really neat in coming. The, the, the reality of Satan is this. He's tied to redemption. There's the cross that Jesus has chained him to, and he can't get beyond that. He might have a bark, but he ain't got no bite. Brother Osteen had a great illustration. He, he, he used to, the way he used to preach so passionately, he talked about a great big truck of redemption with Jesus at the head. Truck is fueled with the Holy Ghost. In the back of the truck is all your blessing, your healing, your prosperity. And here comes Jesus down the highway of eternity. And who crawls out but that skunk the devil. So Jesus just runs him over in the middle of the road and leaves him in the middle of the road. But you know, just like any other highway down in South Texas, you run over a skunk and what lingers? The stink. So the devil's always going around. There's no substance to him. There's no strength to him. There's no power to him. He's defeated. He's been defeated by Jesus our Lord. And say, but he wants to take that stink and say, you know, that smells like cancer, doesn't it? That smells like depression, doesn't it? That smells because then you'll respond as if it was real. But ain't nothing but a stink. Everybody say, ain't nothing but a stink. Somebody going to leave here happy today. Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that make the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, even all of them, be in glory, every one in his own house. But thou art cast down out of thy grave like an abominable branch. And as the raiment of those that are slain thrust through with a sword that go down to the stones of the pit as carcasses trodden under feet, thou shalt not be joined to them Thou shalt not be joined to them in burial because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people. The seed of the evildoer shall never be renowned. Now listen, this is God's opinion. Back in those days, they would strip the bodies of the dead. They'd strip the bodies of the dead and they'd pillage it, take everything that was valuable and just pile everything else up over there. 
Then they would ride out in their chariots and horses over the dead bodies of those that were slain. They didn't even have any more regard. They did not have any more respect than to bury them. God says, that's the way I feel about my adversary. I have no respect toward him at all. There is no reason in the world to fear him. There is no reason in the world to cooperate with him because he is defeated and he is under your feet. Now, now with that in mind, go to, go to Ezekiel. Isn't this interesting all this is in the Bible? Ezekiel 28. It says in verse 11... I hear a couple of pages rustling. I'll wait till you get there. Ezekiel 28, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now, notice that, king of Tyrus. Now, automatically, you could start looking for a geographical location. Say, well, it's talking about some king. But now, notice, the Bible not only has natural inclination and connotation to it, it also talks about the spirit realm. So, notice this. Lamentation for the king of Tyrus. Say unto him. Everybody say, say unto him. Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. So right now we know he's not talking about somebody on the earth. Because nobody on the earth sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Now notice the next phrase in verse 13. It says, Thou hast been in Eden. Do you see that? Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Well, who was in Eden, the garden of God? Well, let's do a little roll call for a moment. First of all, there was the man. There was the woman. So we've got the human family. There was God. And there's one other person. Who was it? Satan. So we know it's not talking about the man or the woman or God. It's talking about Satan. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now notice this. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, gold. The workmanships of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was, notice the word, created. So he is a created being. Now of the spirit realm, we are part of the spirit realm. Our species in the spirit realm, because of creation, we procreate. You say, God is my creator. Well, originally, but actually you're here because of procreation. Amen. But now in the angelic realm, there is no procreation. They are all created beings. Now when Satan caused insurrection in heaven, a third of the angels fell. A third of the angels fell. Now there's all kinds of controversy on what the demonic realm is, whether it's the third of the angels, disenfranchised spirits, the spirits of those uh, pre-flood. I don't know. All I know is they're defeated. You can get into the Word of God or read after different ones. I, all I know is this. The more information I've got on redemption and the more information I've got on the victory of Jesus and the defeat of Satan, the more I know I'm victorious. Amen. So it, two interesting things. First of all, his covering was very valuable was very wealthy. Diamonds and sapphires and beryl and onyx. One of those translations of one of those words is beautiful pearls and gold. Amen. But now notice this also. It says, it says uh, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes. Now what is he talking about there? Tabrets and pipes. You know what those are? Musical instruments. He's speaking of music. Tabrets and pipes uh, was prepared in thee 
in the day thou wast created. Notice the part of, next part of verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub. Cherub is a type of angel. Now, this shows us that Lucifer, or Satan as he became, Lucifer was his angelic name. He had musical talent and ability. Be careful with music. Not all music is of God. Amen? Let me try that again. Not all music is of God. If you've ever looked after the lifestyle of people that get heavily involved in the music industry, whether it be hip-hop, whether it be jazz, whether it be uh, you know, uh, uh, rock and roll, whatever it may be. If you ever watch closely the lives and lifestyle, I heard a, heard a, uh, was watching a, 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 it was a little documentary on this jazz musician that lived way back in, a, in, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, died actually in the early 60s. And they talked about his, his pre-heroin days, and his heroin days. Let me know what heroin is. Don't take it. I should have got a better amen than that. But this, is, was his, this was their commentary. He was not near as good in his pre-heroin days as he was when he got on heroin. Hmm, interesting. Amen. You watch the lifestyle of many of the rock and roll and even country western. Alcoholism, drug addiction, all kinds of promiscuity, sin just rampant. You say, why is that? Because if you come into the enemy's camp and cooperate with his talent and ability, that's why you've got to be careful with Christian music. Christian music has even made some turns that weren't of God. Amen. That's why you've got to be careful. We love music around here that lifts up praises and worship to him. Amen. That brings honor to God. You say, well, what should I do? Well, just be careful. I've got people that have quit the church, gotten mad, got all upset at me because I challenge their pet peeve. Their, their quote, their, their rock and roll music or their country western music or their, or their hip-hop or their jazz or their rap or whatever it may be. Listen, I'm telling you, it's either of God or it's not. I said it's either of God or it's not. I watched one as another. I watched one that got, they were all gathered in a big, big circle and praying before a concert. And they prayed to God, but they never used the name Jesus. I thought, that's interesting. Then they went out on the stage and did one of the most perverse performances I ever saw in my life. Of course, I didn't watch, didn't watch anything other than the first part of it and thought to myself, that's totally of the devil. Just when they walked, walked out on stage, you say, why is that? He's a master at music. He is an expert at music. And I'm telling you, if you love music, if you're into music, you better guard yourself very carefully. Because it was the choir director and the music leader that split the church of heaven. You say, why? I'll show you in a minute. I'll show you why. I'll show you how it happened and why it happened. Now notice this. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, ever precious stone. We read that. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. Man, what could all that mean? Good Lord. That's supernatural, spiritual things that go on in heaven. Now notice verse 15 closely. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Now what did we read in Isaiah? I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Selfishness, 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 selfishness. Amen? Then in Ezekiel we come over and we see this beautiful being. 
This beautiful being. Now you say, was he male or female? He's neither. The angelic realm, does, they do not have classifications of, of gender. Only humanity has classifications of gender. You say, what about God? God's as much male as he is female. He's as much female as he is male. In, in humanity, the genders have been divided. Amen. But in the angelic and demonic realm, there is no gender. So here's this beautiful being. That means to a man, it would be beautiful. To a, to a woman, it'd be handsome. Amen. And he's up and he's got the choirs of heaven and blowing out of him, just blowing out of his essence, blowing out of his, is this beautiful music. I heard one, read one book about a lady's visitation to heaven. She said what was amazing about heaven is the music was so beautiful, but what was unique about it, there was no time to it. You say, why was there no time? There's no time in heaven. So she said, she said this in her book, it flowed like water. Just this beautiful music just flowed like water, flowed like, and it would take you up to this high crescendo and then drop you down a bit and go way back up. The praises of God would go way back up, and the angelic and the saints would go way and then come down and they'd go way back up and just go all the time. And she said the plants were worshiping God, and the grass was singing, and the animals and the birds were worshiping and praising. It says the most beautiful thing they ever heard. We think we know something, we don't know nothing. <laughs> Amen. But now notice this. Iniquity was what? Found in him. This is the origin of all of our problems, church. What was it that was transferred to humanity that put such destruction in humanity? That's it. Iniquity. What is iniquity? Iniquity in you is a motivation. Amen. The Apostle Paul in his teaching on iniquity talked about, I was alive unto God once, then sin revived and I died. He was talking about being born as a child on the earth. Now, what's unique about children, when they're born on the earth, they're innocent. I heard a story and I, I saw it on, uh, uh, what's, what's uh, Pat Robinson, 700 Club. And it was, a, it was a, a couple, they had two children, and there was a new baby that had come into the house and they had a three-year-old. And the new baby was laying in the crib, and they had one of those, those uh, uh, monitors. You know, have a monitor so you can hear what's going up, on up in the nursery. And, and they could hear some commotion up in the nursery. And so they kind of crept around the corner because they knew the three-year-old was in the nursery. Crept around the corner, and the three-year-old had crawled up on the crib and was holding on the bars. And he said that the three-year-old was just at the point where he could talk plainly. And this is what this three-year-old was saying. Tell me about the father. I'm forgetting. His face is fading. I can't see him any longer. Help me remember the Father. I don't know him anymore. It's fading in my mind. And he's telling this to this little baby. He said, how do you know that? God is the Father of all spirits. And when your human spirit was conceived in your mother's womb, you were innocent. You were not unrighteous. When you were born onto the planet, that's why little babies, if they die in infancy, they don't go to hell. I heard someone, t- this guy preached a funeral one time. This, pra- this pa- I didn't know him, somebody I knew attended. And a little baby, three years old, he died. And he got up and preached how that baby was in hell. I said, man, if I'd have heard that, I'd have came in and interrupted that service. That child did not go to hell. He's innocent. But if you've ever raised children, something comes alive in them. Something revives in them. You don't have to teach a child how to lie. It's just natural. You don't have to teach him how to be stingy with the little brother or sister. It's just that's that iniquity that wakes up. It's a motivation. It motivates us to do what? To commit trespass, to break the law of God. This is what happened to Satan. As that iniquity grew in him, 
He rebelled against God. All of those I wills came out. Instead of looking at the Father, the beauty of the Father, the beauty of the Word, the beauty of the Holy Ghost, the beauty and the majesty of all that God is and was and will ever be, he did what? He looked at himself. He became self-deluded and iniquity was formed. I don't know if you have ever met anybody full of themselves. <laughs> Amen. Now listen, I like me. I even love me. I, I have to love me if I'm going to love you. And the reason I love me is I see my value in the eyes of my Father. Amen. I see, my, I see the value in the eyes of my Father. And because of that, I value myself because I belong to God. But listen, when I look at myself, eh, there ain't much there. Amen. But for the grace of God and the call of God and, and a little bit of my obedience to it, I'm, I'm under the bridge with a sign. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now listen, Satan got full of himself. And he so got his eyes upon himself, it motivated his action. And that motivated action had its bedrock in iniquity. But here's the good news. Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we're free. By his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. But the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So if you're born again today... You're no longer a child of your father, the devil. You're a child of your heavenly father, almighty God. Uh, uh, that iniquity has been circumcised out of your spirit. You say, but pastor, I still have problems with sin. That's because that iniquity trained your flesh. And it trained your mind. It taught you how to sin. That's why you've got to present your body a living sacrifice unto God. You've got to renew your mind with the Holy Ghost and the power of the Word of God. And if you will do that, then the trespasses will stop. Iniquity will be quelled. You will know I'm not iniquitous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not a part of Adam's fallen family. I'm part of the resurrected family of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship God. Thank you, Father. Lord, we worship you this morning. Lord, we glorify your name. We exalt you, Heavenly Father. Now listen, that is why Jesus said, and listen, Nicodemus didn't understand it. I don't know how many years we were into the book of Acts before anybody really understood it. The apostle Paul did. I don't know, Peter did eventually. But Jesus said, you must be born again. Everybody's going, born again? What on earth is that? Nicodemus responded with a natural response. You mean I've got to get into my mother's womb and be born a second time? That's not what he was talking about. He said, we're born our first, birth, our first birth is a birth of water. It's a legal entrance into the earth. You come in through the water of the womb of your mother. You're here legally. You have your earth suit on. That's your license to be here. But then your new birth is not physical. It's spiritual. You confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You recognize your need for a Savior. You recognize iniquity is in me and is motivating me. You know what's unique about our nation, America? We have more prisons and more of our population locked away in penitentiaries than any other nation in the world. I would have thought that would have been China. I would have thought that would have been Russia. I would have thought that would have been North Korea. 
But it's not. It's America. Isn't that amazing? We have friends that have been in prison ministry. I think they're retired now. But we supported them for many years when we were on the field. When they began prison ministry in the United States, they began in 1972. There were 24 prisons in Texas. I was with them in a conference in the year 2000, which is 17 years ago. In, 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 uh, in the year 2000, there were 285. 284, excuse me, 284 prisons. So it had gone from 24 in 1972 to 284. Now, 17 years later, how many is there? Does anybody know? I don't know. There's probably more than that. People are locked away. Men are locked away. Women are locked away. Teenagers are locked away. People are locked away literally by the millions in our nation. Now, why is that? Because iniquity, which motivates us to do what? To break the laws. And if you break the laws of God, eventually you're going to break the laws of man. Amen? And the really, you say, well, you know, we're going to reform them. You can't reform them. You can't reform them. They have to be born again. They have to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. And there's testimony after testimony of men and women that have found Jesus in the penitentiary and made this statement. I've heard it more than any other statement of those that found, not, not just jailhouse religion, but actually had an experience with God and got born again. This was their statement. I am freer in the cell than I ever was outside the cell. I am free, I am free, I am free. So today, let me ask you a question. Are you born again? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Or maybe He was your Lord and Savior and you've just gotten away from God. And your trained flesh and trained mind that has been trained by the iniquity that you used to be, the iniquitous person you used to be, is causing you to continually break fellowship with God. Because you're always in sin. You're always doing things. And you know, here's the thing. It's the enemy that condemns you. It's the, it's the, it's the devil that makes you feel guilty. It's the Holy Ghost that at this times like this will convict you and say, you better listen to what he's telling you. Because the wage of sin is still death. That doesn't just mean when you die. That means as you're living, sin will pay a wage. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me ask you a question. Where are you with God today? Are you living right? Are you doing right? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? You say, Pastor, He's not. I, I can't say that He's my Lord and Savior. I'm not sure. But I want to be sure today. Or if you say this, I've been saved, but I just I have found it so hard to live for God. I just keep going back to the same sin, the same problem, the same situation. Well, I've got good news. That motivation in you is, bro is broken. That's why you're so miserable doing that sin. Before you were safe, it was pleasure. It was enjoyment. It was fun. You liked it. But now it's not, and you're miserable. You're in church, and you're looking for an answer. Well, the good news is Jesus is the answer. Not only has He forgiven all of your trespasses, but He has destroyed that iniquity on the inside of you so that you can be free in Jesus' name. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to be saved or I'm away from God and need to return. Please pray for me. If you're here like that today, lift your hand. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. Well, we trust everybody is right with God. Now, real quick, without getting into a lot of teaching, you say, well, Pastor, what about, what about when you do? You say, iniquity's gone, but your flesh has been trained and your mind's trained. What if I do something that's sin, that I know is sin? I miss the mark. I steal something. I curse somebody. I do something outside of the boundaries of the behavior I should be acting, which is walking in the love of God. What do I do? You repent. 
Now, here's how repentance works. Number one, you go to Jesus. His blood is on the mercy seat. John, the, 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 the book of 1 John talks about how we confess it. Now, you don't confess it to me. I don't want to know about it. You confess it to your Father. And the Bible says Jesus has been made a perpetuation for your sin. And He will cleanse you of all sin and unrighteousness and empower you to repent. Now, the word repent means this. You're going this way, you turn and you go another way. You turn and go another direction. And so many Christians get defeated by the past sin of their life. They had a lifestyle of sin before they got saved. Drugs, alcohol, promiscuous, uh, uh, sex outside of marriage, all those kind of things. And I just can't help myself. I just, I just keep doing it. I just keep this. It just, listen, that's a lie. That's a lie. The reason is you are not that person anymore. That iniquitous nature that you used to be is gone. It's not been covered up. It's been eradicated. Now, you're going to have to deal with your flesh. Now, I tell people this all the time. Don't stop asking for forgiveness. You say, what if I do it 10 times in a day? You ask 10 times in a day, Lord, forgive me. Lord, eventually your heart will change. And the taste for that sin will leave you. It'll leave your flesh. It'll leave your mind. You'll see it for what it really is. Secondly, get yourself out of an environment for sin. You know where you're weak. Stay away from weak areas. Say, well, Pastor, I was an alcoholic for 20 years. And it seems like every time I go into the bar, I have a drink. Duh! And Pastor, I tell you, I know, I know you're not supposed to be smoking weed. It's illegal. It'll harm your body, mess your mind up. But, you know, every time I go out to my pot plants and trim the buds, I, you know, I just take one off and take it in and smoke it in the bong. Jerk up the plants. Come on, church. You're either working for yourself or against yourself. And some of you, with a few minor adjustments, you can have some major results and not be living in a prepared. Here's the problem. If you continually sin with your flesh and your mind, you're always miserable because there's no pleasure in your spirit. It's not your nature to do that anymore. It's not your nature to, to steal. It's not your nature to drink. It's not your nature to do drugs. It's not your nature to be immoral. It's not your nature. So you go out and do it. And you've got, here's this, let me, let me, since we're talking about the devil, he's on this shoulder right here. And he's, here's what he's doing. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Feels good, looks good, tastes good. Do it, do it, do it, do it. You got to do it. You can do it. Nobody knows you're going to do it. You can do it. Just do it. Just do it. So finally, you're wore down and you do it. So he jumps to the other shoulder. You've done it now. You've done it now. You've sinned. God hates you. The church hates you. If everybody, if everybody knew who you really were, that, that, they'd shun you. Come on, church. And he heaps condemnation, knowing that condemnation, if you listen to condemnation, what happens? You become guilty. And guilt has to be fed. It has to be tempered. You say, what do you mean by that? Because of guilt, that, that's where addiction many times finds its bedrock, is in guilt. You're trying to cover that guilt up, cover that guilt up, cover that guilt up. And the problem with Christians is, is sometimes they get free from, from, from sin and from drugs and from alcohol. Then they go to food. They dig the grave with a spoon. You can't do it. 
whom the Son set free is free indeed. What do we read in John chapter 8? If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The problem, if you continue, continually pray with, play with that sin, the adversary, hallelujah, lift your hands up and worship God. Yes, the adversary will pull you into a trap and cause you to be in bondage to that which he dictates and desires for you. And you will live in a perpetual state of hurt and depression, knowing that you've upset and made God have to look at a different way at you. And you think in your mind, He is now angry and upset and His blessings are cut off. But remember who is speaking to you and into your mind. He is a liar and a father of lies. For your father is not upset and your heavenly father is not mad at you. And your father knows you're weak and your father knows the tendencies of your flesh and your mind. But he has made a way of escape where every temptation that you are dealing with in this day and hour can be thwarted as by faith you yield to the provision of God. So even this day, as you've said in your own mind, there's no way. It's got me. It's got a hold of me. I cannot get loose. The Spirit of God says, you can be loosed. You can be set free. You just need the desire. And your days of being miserable will be over. And joy will come to your heart. And you will recognize and realize, I am free indeed. I am free indeed. And the weight and the bondage of all that the adversary has put on your life will be destroyed and you will live in the freedom of righteousness able to serve the Lord and enjoy His blessings in righteousness like you never have before. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands and thank the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now I'm going to do it this way and we're just going to trust God that you'll receive this. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, even our ushers right now. Even our ushers, sound booth, everybody. I'm the only one looking around. Everybody. You say, Pastor, that's me. I've got just stuff in my, I have tried. I don't see why I can't seem to overcome these things. But there are things in my life, I know they're not right. I know I cannot, just in my own strength, I've tried willpower. I've tried, it's just, it's just, it's, I'm so frustrated. I just, but I love God. And I don't want to miss God, what He's doing. I want, I want to be free, but I'm struggling and I need help. Now, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand up real quick and put it back down. Praise God. Hands all over. Okay. Everybody look this way. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Now, everybody pray this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm your child. I'm your very own child. I'm stuck down here on this earth. Not in heaven yet. This flesh that I'm clothed with. This mind that I have. I need your help on a perpetual basis. I do not, in my heart of hearts, down in my spirit, I do not desire sin. It is not in me. Righteousness is in me. But my whole life, my whole Christian life, has been a struggle, has been a fight 
with these areas of my flesh and my mind that were trained by my past. But today, in the face of God, in the anointing of the Holy Ghost, in the witness of Jesus, the Word, I declare I will not be defeated. I will not quit listening to the Word. I will not quit praying and seeking God. And if I fall a thousand times in a day, I will get up in righteousness, thanking God that I am forgiven and that iniquity is broken in my life. Devil, you listen to me. Your days of manipulating me through my mind and my flesh are over. I will resist you in the name of Jesus and I will overcome by the power of God so that I might be free. I have it by faith and I will experience. Thank you, Father. You accept me just as I am. You know my weaknesses. You know my inadequacies. inadequacies. But where I am weak, where I am weak, you make me strong. Thank you, Father. This day, the blood of Jesus, it cleansed me 2,000 years ago. But the appropriation of it in my life touches me right now in Jesus' name so that I stand cleansed, pure, and righteous before God. Therefore, as I walk out of this building today, I walk out in faith. Devil, you look at me. I don't belong to you. Jesus, you behold me. You purchased me. You bought me at an awesome price. Therefore, more than I've ever needed you, I need you now to strengthen me, to keep me, and to help me in my walk of faith. In Jesus' name. Now lift your hands and worship the Lord and thank Him. Worship the Lord and thank Him. Oh, we thank You, Father. We worship You, Lord. We glorify Your name. We magnify You, Lord. We glorify, we exalt You, Heavenly Father. Now, now, right before we're dismissed, I'm going to pray a prayer. We'll be dismissed. Remember the power that Satan has. is so weak and limited, but he does. If you don't recognize it, you won't understand it. It's the power of suggestion. In Matthew chapter 4, when, when Jesus overcame the temptations of the devil, the devil had no power to command him. He came and made suggestions. Suggestions suggestions and you've got to recognize those suggestions when they come and if you'll recognize them then you can be just like Jesus that's what God wants you to be and just say the devil no devil it is written and that's where you begin your fight and if you'll maintain that and keep that see here's the thing God knows everybody say God knows God knows the devil defeated Jesus Lord knows you're right God knows that amen Satan knows that. Satan knows he's defeated. He knows Jesus, Lord. He knows that you're delivered and you're free. But here's the fight. Satan is trying you out to see if you know that. And the Bible says there's no temptation such as is common to man. That means every one of us go through the same thing. But God is faithful to do what? To give us a way of escape. So this week, where last week you made all the mistakes, you got up and said, I tell you, I'm just blue. This week, look for the exit. 
God will give you an exit. If you'll just ask him, Lord, where's my exit? Where's my exit? How do I get out? He'll give you an exit. And you'll get out of it. And you'll recognize and realize, I don't have to live like this anymore. And God will bless you. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word. Thank you for all your blessing upon our lives. As we leave, we exercise our authority in your word. Thanking you, Heavenly Father, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. So we thank you, Heavenly Father, whether we walk, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we are kept safe and blessed by God. Lord, uh, many of us, we go to work. We handle a resource you've given us. Some of us have our own businesses. Some of us work for an employer. Whatever the case may be, we thank you we're not subject to accidents, trauma, or terror. Evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself, we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Father, let us walk in righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost. Let us be your presentation to this fallen, hurting, sick world. Let us be an answer to somebody's prayer this week, problem to the adversary, a miracle in someone's life. Fathers, we leave today. We love you so much. We walk in faith towards you. For you are a benevolent, loving, kind, forgiving God who restores the breach and causes the bridge that has already been built in Christ to be solid and secure between us and you, Heavenly Father. Lord, we leave today walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. Thank you for what you're doing here at Island Church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be, representatives of the kingdom of heaven. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.